Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quacks Podcast. Now, today I have an interview that I've been working on for a while now. Uh, I've dived into a lot of different topics on the podcast, as you know. But one thing I've always kept at arm's length is cancer. Now, the reason being, I have never found much online that I thought was a really good natural therapy, Uh, at least where I could say, yes, this seems like something I can share that will really improve people's lives. Uh, There are so many resources online that, you know, if you do research, you can make informed choices that will give you a serious edge in life. You know, I've talked about EMF, uh, talked about diet, plastics, all, all these things can really give you a serious edge in life. But with cancer... Uh, It just seemed very murky whenever I would look into it. So when a friend of mine uh, from church got diagnosed with breast cancer and then a college basketball player emailed me asking for cancer tips, I really wanted to find a naturopathic doctor who was experienced in the topic and could unmerk things for me. The problem is naturopathic doctors who talk about cancer online are attacked mercilessly by big pharma, uh, mainstream doctors. There are Twitter accounts that are dedicated just to attacking naturopaths whenever they talk about cancer. I mean, it's, it's kind of nuts. So most of the emails I sent out asking for interviews were unanswered or I got a swift rejection. Now, thankfully, Dr. Cheryl Colleen had the bravery to come on and talk. Now, Dr. Colleen is the medical director at Brio Medical located in Scottsdale, Arizona. So here, here at home. Uh, they provide many different alternative therapies, and their philosophy is the synergistic intersection of alternative and conventional medicine based on the principle that a healthy body does not develop the disease with an intact immune defense system. Uh, they believe each person is unique, and the approach to maintaining and improving health and healing is holistically treating the mind, body, and spirit all simultaneously. And I think you're going to like this one. There are definitely some helpful nuggets in there. So enjoy the interview. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Quacks Podcast. I have Dr. Cheryl Colleen with me. Uh, Dr. Cheryl, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, why don't we start with uh, just talking a little bit about what you do. I know you practice here in Arizona. So uh, yeah, if you could tell the audience kind of what you do and how you came to do what you do, that'd be great. All right. Um, sure. I am. I'm actually practicing at Brio Medical, where I'm the medical director and um, a small shareholder as well. So um, we basically see cancer patients and um, of all types, of all stages, all types of cancers. And we do that, um, and it's fun. We have a a really good group of people always coming through the clinic. And I, uh, I started out, gosh, I'd have to say, years ago in college, I had a class called Chemistry and Cancer, and that just really, you know, kind of uh, got my brain going, and I uh, loved it. And then um, I went on and uh, knew I was going to end up in this field. I worked with an oncologist in California for several years doing research and clinical uh, research as well. And and then, you know, that kind of led me uh, into this when I started to realize that, you know, reading patient charts that uh, many of them were on medications or they didn't know how, uh, you know, to have uh, manage a, a nutritious diet, things of that sort. So then I, I became a nutritionist. And then after I, I did that, I just figured, oh, it would just be easier if I just went back to medical school and did it, you know. <laughs> you know, myself instead mm. of relying on other people. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it was really hard to get 
somebody on the podcast who was willing to talk about cancer and alternative therapies. So let's let's just talk about that real quick. Is there why is it so hard to get naturopaths to talk about cancer? I mean, are there disclaimers you have to give or something like that? You know, I I don't know. I mean, um, I thought we all loved talking about it, but um, you know, we do know that the cancer industry is a huge, uh, you know, money maker. And uh, so, you know, I don't know if that is it. I know it's um, doing alternative cancer care is not, uh, and I'm putting this in quotations, like the standard of care. So we're doing it outside, um, you know, what is supposedly allowable. But um, in the state of Arizona, you know, that's okay. We can do it. Um, You know, and oftentimes, you know, we do a combination approach. I mean, you know, we really have to do what's best for the patients. It's not about, hey, this has to be just natural or this has to be just uh, conventional. No, you know, we want to do whatever's best for the, the patient. Gotcha. So as the medical director at Brio Medical, let's dive into a little bit more of what your facility does. Oh, this is, um, gosh, we do so many things. It, this is where it becomes exciting because we're not conventional. We have that ability really to do a lot of things. And um, so when we, you know, we see a patient, I'll, I'll just kind of give you a uh, kind of what we do when, when patients come in. Yeah, that'd be great. And um, so, okay, we'll see, we'll have, we put patients in a, in a program and they'll come in for like six weeks. And once they're they're in the program, we can basically do anything then. I mean, so we're not itemizing. We're not saying, oh, gosh, we gave the, the patient some, a pain injection um, or, you know, we gave them, um, you know, acupuncture, better, you know, tag that on. No, we're not itemizing everything, you know, that we feel that is going to help the patient out, we're going to do. So um, we, the patient will come in at 9 a.m., you know, 9.30 in the morning, and uh, and we begin the treatment. They get a clipboard. It tells them what they're going to be doing for the day. And uh, and then maybe we might, you know, divide some of the patients, and some of them will start doing some IVs. And I'll come up with their treatment plan, um, you know, including the IVs, how many times they're going to be doing um, whatever, all the devices that we have, and um, their supplements, you know, all that. So I, I get to be, you know, I do all of that. And then um, they come in, they, they'll get, um, based on their cancer, you know, they'll maybe do uh, hyperthermia. They may do ozone sauna. We have hyperbaric. We have, actually, we have two hyperbaric uh, chambers. One's a hard shell and the other is a soft shell, but it can allow for um, like up to three people in there. So those who are claustrophobic, it does help, you know, and um, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't realize, I mean, there are, uh, you know, there's people who do not want to be in it. I call it a time capsule. So it just kind of looks like, it just looks, you know, like a little white uh, pill. Interesting. And uh, yeah, we have a laser uh, light bed that kind of looks like a tanning bed, only it's a red laser light. And that really helps to um, helps the, the health of the mitochondria. And a lot of sports teams have this device because they, you know, are, they're paying a lot of money for their uh, athletes and, you know, they can't have them be um, injured. So this helps to, you know, heal tissue and, you know, he, you know, helps with arthritis, you know, things of that sort, even neuropathies. So we look at that and, um, and then we have, 
laser, uh, or like I said, we do have lasers. We have cold lasers. We have acupuncture. We have lymphatic drainage. Um, you know, we we just have so many different techniques here that yeah. we can employ. We have oh, pulse electric magnetic uh, frequency therapy. I mean, it's just it's it's fun. It's a lot of stuff, and we have like I said, all different. Uh, types and cases of people that it's it's just a really I mean I love the job and I you know love to interact with all the patients and hear their stories and they're you know they're just fascinating yeah so what you said people come in around 9 a.m so when somebody signs up for treatment I mean I I've never I have no idea how this works so do they get okay. like 30 days of treatment like do they come in every day for 30 days or are they coming in once a week or uh, does it depend like how does that work Right. Everyone, um, it's it's mostly they're going to come in Monday through Friday. Usually it's, uh, you know, nine to three or four or five. It depends on how quickly they can get through the, uh, you know, gamut of devices and, you know, different, the different um, things that we want them to do, you know, including nebulizing. I mean, it could be anything. And um, so they're going to come in uh, every day, Monday through Friday. But there are, like, we do take local patients and we put them in the, the also under you know the as our basically as um, a program patient and we may have them come in three days a week you know so that way some of them maybe still will be are working or you know they're doing some other things then you know we kind of like let them not have to come in every day but you know we may still have them come in every day it, it really does vary um, everyone is you know because everyone has is unique they're all their treatments are unique. It's really all just for them. So we don't really mix and match um, people. Some of the devices might be the same, but the supplements and the, the IVs are completely, you know, all going to be different, just, you know, for whatever they we need to deal with. Because we're going to be working on the, you know, the whole body. That's how we see it. Cancer is not just a disease of, you know, the organ. We're it's a disease of, of the body. So we need to look at, you know, everything to put that back into balance. Yeah. So, and do they go for how many, I mean, do they do this for a month? Do they do it for six months? You know, how long is the average that people would be um, under the treatment? The, the, the program is a six week program, but you know, people stay longer often. So hmm. um, it, it really depends. I mean, oftentimes, um, you know, we're looking to minimize tumor. Um, if you're doing it naturally, um, you know, it's going to take time. I, I always use the um, analogy that if you had uh, an abrasion on your knee, it, it takes, you know, probably a month really to, to heal that. Yeah. So, you know, cancer is not going to heal overnight. It didn't start overnight. It's, you know, it takes time, but that doesn't mean the body cannot heal it. We know we get cancer for two reasons. We get cancer because we're not giving the body something it needs, and that usually is, um, you know, a nutrient or something of that sort, or we're giving the body something it doesn't need, and that's going to be like everything else, toxicities, stress, anxiety, you know, you can name it. Yeah. And is it just cancer that you guys see or do you guys see other ailments? Um, we see mainly cancer. Um, autoimmune disease is another one. Um, and and then we work with another clinic to do Lyme and mold. So um, okay. by working with them, we have like their, we have 
um, Lyme and mold specialists, and then but they want to use our devices, our you know, like I said, our hyperthermia, or our PEMS machines, you know, things like that. So we kind of work with them. So I'm kind of curious, which IVs do you like for cancer? Mm, well, um, I like, you know, of course we do the, uh, you know, the high dose vitamin C. I think everyone does that, but I like curcumin. I like, um, a hydrogen peroxide. Um, wow. You guys do turmeric and an, an IV? Uh, not turmeric. We do curcumin. Yeah, the, so, the turmeric extract. Wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard of somebody doing yeah. an IV of that. Yeah, I mean, it's very good for inflammation. And um, and then in higher doses, it helps against metastasis. You know, we do artesanate or artemisian. Um, you know, there's poly-MBA, there's salicinium. You know, the list, the list goes on. There's really um, so many of them. Quercetin. Wow. You know, sodium bicarb. Yeah. Um, so all of these are, you know, we use them on, you know, just depends kind of on the cancer or, um, you know, it, what we're looking at. So, you know, uh, if, if someone tells me, gosh, you know, I have uh, this infection or, or I run a test and find out they have Epstein-Barr virus, I may add some, you know, ozone therapy or, um, at, you know, or maybe, um, uh, you know, artesanate for that. Okay. So let's take an example. And if this is proprietary information, you know, just let me know. But let's say somebody comes in with breast cancer. What would like your go-to therapies look like? Um, actually, they're going to be different on everybody. I mean, that's because, as I said, stated earlier, everyone's unique. So, um, it, you know, do they have, are they triple positive or triple negative? Or, you know, do they have swelling in their arm? You know, Every you know everything is different, so we're we're going to take that into account at what where they're at, what's their vitality, and you know go from there. And and also are they are they currently doing chemotherapy, you know, in which case I have to maybe change their um, treatment, you know, differently than I would do. So okay, how would that that's kind of yeah? How would chemotherapy change things? Well, I mean, we may not want to use glutathione or something, you know. So um, you know that would be something that. Uh, we would look at um, nothing, you know, we wouldn't want to use something that interferes or, you know, we may not even want to do chemo on the same day um, as we know we do an IV um, or actually I should say we don't want to do an IV on the same day as we do chemotherapy because we may not want to, you know, overburden the liver, uh, things of that sort. So Okay. Interesting. So in your emails, you said you had some new things that you wanted to share. What are those? Well, um, Basically, that we just recently expanded at Brio, and um, we now have um, in the same building we have two offices. So we now have the acupuncture. We have another doctor that we hired, and he does a, a lot of the acupuncture and some pain treatments. And then we actually have um, massage or lymphatic drainage. We use that, and then um, we we have a medical. Dr uh, doctor here as well that works with um, and uses a lot of conventional medicine in a out or act outside the box rather. Um, he he's really brilliant at it and he'll take uh, targeted therapies and he'll he'll find out what um, 
you know, your cancers are overexpressing and he'll use these targeted therapies to inhibit that. So, um, you know, that can allow for quicker results while I get to turn around and like balance the body. So it's really a synergistic program. You know, we, and then we also got, like I said, that we got a second hyperbaric machine just so that way, you know, people who are claustrophobic, you know, we can, you know, open that up and there's a little more space in there so they don't feel it. And they can, you know, two people can go in there and play cards. You know, I, <laughs> I believe that, you know, the patients need to laugh and, and, and have fun. I, I believe laughter is a medicine. And um, so I'm always trying to crack jokes with them. That's great. <laughs> something you know yeah one thing i notice when i read about natural remedies for cancer is they tend to throw everything at it you know you take vitamins meditate change your diet uh, take these herbs do these ivs you know exercise which is great but i always when i read that i always kind of find it hard to tell what's actually working and so part of why i was excited to talk to you is that you've been at this for years and so you've kind of got that experience of you know, I, I think this stuff works a little bit better, and I think these things don't work as well. So what do you find from your years of experience really has the most consistency in helping? I would say that ozone and mistletoe are, are really um, big hitters for uh, a lot of people. You know, we do throw everything at, at them, and that's simply because I don't believe really, you know, cancer doesn't necessarily have one uh, ideology. And, and that's what I think that separates us from a lot uh, other practitioners because we try to find what that ideology is. Why did they get it? Because, you know, you can help them get rid of cancer, but if you didn't get rid of why they got it, they're likely to get it again. So um, we, we want to, like, find out now. That said, we may never find out the complete, you know, ideology. There could be more yeah. uh, than one reason, multifaceted. So, yeah, we we do throw the book at them because um, it, we all need it. I mean, there's there's so much stress right now, and you know, in life that uh, that definitely plays a part of it. And every single patient that comes in tells me, yeah, um, yeah, about two years, you know, ago, I was in, you know, I had a paramedic paramount amount of stress. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You know, it's like the, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know, but then what was before that? Oh yeah. I smoked and, you know, okay, well that didn't help, you know, and was that the only thing that caused it, you know, smoking? Well, you know, probably not, you know, oh yeah, I ate GMO. So there's many, there's many things. So we just try to educate individuals to, you know, make the right choices or, I even believe that, you know, sometimes you just kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, you can say like, bless your food, but I kind of like say, you know, I'll accept all the nutrients and out goes the bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you, you have to go, you know, as you're traveling cross country or whatever, you may have to stop at a place you wouldn't normally stop at. I don't want you to stress about it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so when you said ozone uh, therapy, do you mean the type where they take the blood out and then pump ozone into it and then pump the blood back in? Um, well, that, that is a type. Um, yeah, but I, I'm, you know, I'm also talking about like sometimes we use it um, in uh, insufflation um, or 
uh, we can use it in, we have a sauna that we use it in as well. So, okay. like, you know, we, like I said, we do many things. We really want to detox the body. We want to get a lot of, you know, the toxins out. For sure. And mistletoe, maybe you could explain that a little bit. I'm not familiar with that one. Well, it's that thing that hangs up around Christmas, you know, on, no, no, it's actually not. Um, yeah, don't, don't go eating it or anything like that. So, um, no, uh, you know, mistletoe, um, viscum, albinus, abitus, uh, viscum, mali, they're, they're different types of, of um, mistletoe. And uh, they, it really grows in Germany in like the Black Forest. And uh, it, it, it kind of started out with where they, uh, I don't know, a while, you know, a long time ago, they kind of looked at a, a tree and it looked barren. And, um, but growing in the tree was this like perfectly round uh, bushel of like mistletoe. And so it, it's like, it looked like um, this could be a, you know, cancerous patient, you know, with, you know, the cachexia and malnourishment. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, and then they have, you know, this you know, like tumor, um, you know, growing. And so, you know, we kind of look at that and we go, oh, wow, you know, that kind of looks like that. And that's how some of, um, you know, medicine started, you know, and then they started to use that and they realized, hey, this really does help the immune system or it can kill, you know, some cancer and, or, um, you know, or, you know, mainly it's, it's really immunomodulatory. It also stops angiogenesis, you know, or it causes angiogenesis, which is the growth of new blood vessels. Yeah, that's really interesting because I did a podcast a while back on uh, lumbrokinase, which is an enzyme that comes from earthworms. Mm -hmm. And it was first discovered right. by, you know, the Chinese through Chinese medicine. And they looked at earthworms that were burrowing through the ground and kind of making new pathways. And so they theorized, okay, if we eat these earthworms, you know, if we grind them up and make it into a tea or something, that this will also help blood flow because it will kind of be like you're, you know, burrowing into your blood veins and, and making, you know, blood flow there. And interestingly enough, you know, thousands of years later, we discover that lumbrokinase can kind of thin your blood. It can, it can eat up fibrin. And so it can increase blood flow. So it's just kind of crazy when those discoveries get made um, from just observation. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, that's exactly how they've done it. So that, that's interesting. I didn't know that about lumbrokinase, but, um, you know, we do use it. As uh, mainly, you know, it's like kind of to thin the blood or also to get, you know, open up things for, um, they use it in Lyme treatment a lot mm -hmm. as well. So, um, you know, and we know cancers are very hyperviscous. So um, lumbrokinase is a really good uh, thing to do naturally. Yeah. So is there anything that you, any treatments that you guys have had that you thought were good at first, but maybe, uh, you know, after a couple of years of using it or, or maybe some new research came out that you looked back and you're like, you know, this isn't really good for cancer. Like anything that you guys have left behind? Oh, let me think. Because um, there's a lot. I mean, if you look up, you know, natural cancer therapies, there's a ton of them. And so I'm sure people would want to know if uh, if one or two of those things that you've you've found in your experience are like, you know, this is just really not worth your time. You know, no, I a lot of them. I mean, they're so individual, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, I, I think I, I often said that with the Budwig diet. But, you know, some people do it and then they are like, oh, yeah, I did well with it. I'm like, okay, you know, huh. so that's not necessarily something I promote, but I don't stop someone from doing it. If they want to, you know, mix some flax and cottage cheese, 
Um, we're not big supporters of dairy, but um, we, you know, we if they if they want to do that, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's, it doesn't hurt them. Nothing. So that's kind of where I like draw the line. Okay. Uh, so if somebody is doing these treatments, what are some of the sacrifices that people might have to make to really get the full benefits? Um, the sacrifice? Yeah, you know, a lot of times people will, I don't know, I mean, changing their diet, that's a small one. You know, it's like, oh, I have to leave behind these foods that I really liked, and now I have to eat this new diet or something like that. You know, what? What? Do, basically, I'm asking, what do you ask of people? Like, you're going to have to make these sacrifices to really get through this, or or maybe there's no sacrifices. I, I'm not sure. Well, that yeah, that, again, is individual, because for some people, right, changing their diet's not a big deal. And for others, you might have, I might have asked them the, the absolute worst thing. So that's, you know, they, they can't make that sacrifice. Uh, smoking would be another one. Hmm. I, I can say, yeah, you know, you, you know, this, you need to stop this. And, and, you know, that might be something that they cannot do. Um, those are, you know, the main ones, but, uh, what I find is, you know, sometimes people, you know, they, they'll come and they'll, they'll do the, the program, uh, but, you know, at night they go home and, and then we find out later on, like they ate at McDonald's or something. And, and I, you know, it's kind of like, well, do you, you know, how well do you want to do, um, <laughs> You know, like it's and it and it's not necessarily about eating a hamburger per se, but you know, just looking at the quality of food. So, um, although you know, we can look at uh, meats. You know, in general, should be eaten with grains. So, you know, it really depends on on even that individual. If they're coming with a colon cancer, you know, I I really want them to be very you know attentive to their diet. Yeah, how how important is diet change? Because, you know, I always think of diet as kind of helping over the long term. And if you get cancer, then, like, theoretically, you, you kind of need some big changes fast, right? Yeah, um, and, and I think that it, diet is uh, very important. Um, you know, let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food, you know. So if we're looking at that, uh, food is, you know, very, food is very huge on what people Eat. We can say that uh, juicing, for instance, is where, you know, you're adding a, a ton of different, uh, very nutrient-rich vegetables and uh, putting them, you know, into a glass and drinking all those nutrients. And you really wouldn't be able to eat that much um, if it were actual food. But as a juice, you can get a lot of nutrients in a bottle. And um, so that that is, diet is huge. And um, but one of the things I, I try to ex- get people to understand, and I realize a lot of people aren't going to change their diet forever. Mm-hmm. They're not. Um, they're they're not going to be strict and stuff forever. So what I really want to encourage people to do is not that you have to go raw or you have to go vegan, because I don't think that that's going to be practical for uh, many people. But that you have to pick good choices. So you have to have organic food. You, you need to have organic food. Um, you know, the Environmental Working Group does tell you which foods are most important to have organic and which ones you can kind of, you know, maybe fudge and not have organic. Um, so, you know, you have little 
information cards on that. And so you, you do need to pick that. And I think that you need to stay away from processed foods. You need to stay away from GMO foods. And we need to pick things that, like, you know, if you can name the ingredient in it, then you can eat it. So, <laughs> you know, like, what's in an apple? Apple. You know, <laughs> what's in, you know, a, a box product? I don't know. You know, so that's kind of the rule of thumb, you know, and you can pretty much go many places uh, with that rule of thumb. Yeah, I had uh, an old mentor who used to say, you know, if you can't pronounce it, spit it out. If it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> it was a little, <laughs> yeah, right. a little extreme there. He, he didn't eat very tasty food, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a philosophy that I grew well, up with. It, when you say that, that's interesting because, you know, people, you know, sometimes, you know, there's some people love our food that we have here and then some hate it. Um, and it really is going to depend on what what they have been eating themselves. So the more you, you eat this way, the, the better you like it and the more you crave it, your taste buds will change. So when, when someone tells me, you know, oh, I don't like this food, well, then I, I'm going to know, you know, what they're eating. I mean, that's just, you know, I go, okay, well, I know why. You know, but if you're used to eating real food, you know, and a variety of food, a variety of whole foods. I mean, not just, you know, eating broccoli, but having, you know, a large variety of different, you know, greens and rainbow colored foods. Mm. So yeah, you guys serve food. So what kind of foods do you guys generally serve? At this time, we are letting them pick from various restaurants around um, that are, you know, the healthiest that we can find. So, you know, and we buy, you know, organic juices. So we're looking at, um, you know, we give them a menu and then we cross out what they can't have or, you know, certain items in, in the food, you know, eh, sorry, no, not that one, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, but really I think overall they're, you know, pretty, um, I think, that, I mean, it's great food, no, very good restaurants. So. Wow. So my next question is, uh, about the critics, because there is a lot of criticism of naturopathic treatments for cancer. Um, so what do some of the critics say about the treatments? And what would the res- what would your response be to those crit- criticisms? Well, yes, um, th- there are a lot of, uh, you know, people who say that this won't work. And, uh, you know, natural medicine doesn't work. Um, you know, that it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money. And, and you know, and I, and I think that we have to look at this, um, you know, realistically, here we do do a, an integrative approach. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not afraid of that. Um, I do not think that, you know, drugs per se are the, you know, are, are going to be it. We don't have a drug deficiency, but they can help someone, you know, feel better, you know, in a quicker format, and then we can go and, you know, help them, uh, you know, and help balance their body after that. So, yes, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, when we think that we can do stuff, um, they're looking and going, oh, yeah, this isn't working. You know, uh, we see a lot of the patients from natural clinics, you know, you know, go into the ER. And um, but a lot of times those patients might, you know, have tried, you know, chemo and radiation and surgery, and that's got them nowhere. And then they're told, you know, just go home. So what are what are they going to do? You know, and I think if we look at to work together, we're going to get further. Hmm. 
Yeah. Why do you think some of the treatments work on some people and not others? I mean, is there something that you can tell from either the patient's attitude or test that, that kind of tell you like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't think these treatments are going to help them that much? Yes. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I do. There's a, um, there's a saying by Sir William Osler that says the organs weep the tears, the eyes refuse to shed. And uh, so that tells me sometimes when, when when someone comes in and they've got a cancer in a certain area, um, you know, then I start to, you know, ask them questions regarding, you know, their, you know, what's going on in their life. And, and that usually can tell a lot of, of things. And, and so I, I'm listening to how a patient words things and says things. And, uh, and I, I'll know, you know, oftentimes where they're at in, in terms of healing. And I know that that, you know, it, it's maybe that does sound hokey right there, but, um, but the, the mental emotional aspect of healing is significant. And, uh, you know, number one, I need to know from the patient that they feel that the, you know, the, uh, human body can heal, you know, that's number one. If they don't think that they can, if they think they're doomed ahead of time, well, then forget it. That's not going to work. But, um, if they, if they believe that, yeah, the human body can heal, then I uh, absolutely. And I think you have to get to the point where, um, you know, that you, you don't have a doubt on whether or not something's going to work. You, you just know. So uh, there was a book written in like 1941, and he said, you know, the way to healing, you know, there's many paths to the way to healing. It doesn't mean, you know, you could do chemotherapy, you can do natural medicine, you can do um, osteopathic medicine or chiropractic. But if you believe it's going to work, then it does. And that kind of throws in the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we really have to look at that because, you know, a placebo effect is, in fact, a very real effect. And in the reverse of that, we can say so is the nocebo effect. We can just take away someone's hope by something that we say. Yeah, it, it's really so, it's really too bad that the placebo effect has such a bad uh, reputation among scientists because it's kind of like in another age, it'd just be called like a good attitude or, or, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a travesty that it gets treated so poorly, like, oh, it's just a placebo effect, but it's like, you know, it actually kind of works. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> right. I mean, well, we know, um, based on a lot of the work of like Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, um, David Hawkins, you know, we, we know that, um, it, what our mind believes really can manifest in our body. And so, you know, if we take an individual who, you know, has been uh, shamed and, you know, feels guilty, you know, those are the precursors of disease. So we turn around, you know, and if we learn to change that and and start, you know, loving our body and loving all of ourselves, you know, we're really going to be in a hugely different environment. Yeah. So, and then I think that promotes healing. So, if somebody has a bad attitude or they don't believe, what what do you do? I mean, do you send them to therapy? <laughs> no, um, I I I just I don't ask them why. You know, I ask them why they're here. You know, <laughs> um, you know, or I mean, you know, like I don't want someone to spend their their money on something they don't believe in. You know, it's um, I 
you know, that's hard, you know, even for the workers to do if they, they do that. Um, I think pain is another one. Like, you know, a patient could be so positive, but the minute they feel pain, all of a sudden they can't think past it. And um, so that is a, a tough one. But what we all can learn from this is is to learn how to deal with it now. Not not, not necessarily pain, but learn how to how to make these these to have. I, I'm going to use the word faith, um, basically, because if faith is something that it's it, there's no you know there's no like scale. It's either you you have it or you don't. You can't have fifty percent of it. You know so. Um, it's something you go, yeah, I have or own. And people, you know, oftentimes are, oh, yeah, I have hope, I have faith. Then they get pain. Mm. And, and then all of a sudden they don't. So it's something that we can learn to practice in our life early on and say, look at, okay, you know, with anything, we don't have to, it doesn't even have to be uh, a sickness or, you know, a disease that we're, we're exercising this. We're exercising it on anything that we do. You know, um, if we have stress, you know, we, we have to learn to be like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't pay a bill. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll do what I can, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's not detrimental if I don't pay a bill. I mean, it could be detrimental if a lion is chasing me, you know, so we have to learn where to stress and where not. I mean, that's, we cannot continue to have fight and flight 24 hours a day. Yeah. That, that makes me kind of curious. Do you find that a lot of your patients have the same like emotional phenotype uh, where, you know, a lot of them are like super anxious or, you know, they're a depressive type or, or anything like that. Yeah. Now that you say that, I would say that um, anxiety is, is a big one, but that's also like the number one diagnosed disease in, in America, you know, and mm. uh, prescribed or, you know, anti-anxiolytics or antidepressants. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's a tough one, but that's see, but that I think that's all part of, you know, culturally, we're not learning to deal with it. You know, we're either medicating it, but and, and we need to like stop and and kind of like, um, you know, just determine is this significant? No, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's probably tough to answer whether you know maybe they're anxious because they have cancer or is there anxiety there before cancer and it's feeding the cancer it's probably kind of a chicken and the egg problem there right yeah no i always i always bring up the chicken and the egg yeah so it's you're absolutely right you know and i think in some maybe there's more anxiety before that but then boom and or there's anxiety after they get diagnosed but when you when i talk to some people they're like you know, then they're control freaks and, um, you know, and they want to control everything. And, and, you know, I'm like, well, you, you just got to let it go, you know, and that's not something I can, I can necessarily teach to someone. Uh, I do try, um, if we're in a situation where I see that they're doing that and I'm like, okay, I have to let it go. This is what I, you know, this is it. But that's, you know, I can't get in their head, uh, yet. <laughs> so, um, I'm working on it now. Um, but that that's a big deal. And we do um, over, you know, we do an evox, um, and that's kind of where it's kind of, you know, like frequency based. And our evox uh, practitioner is really phenomenal. And she, um, 
she really will, you know, she gets down to it. Uh, she, you know, she'll end up by like, you know, what happened in 1982? <laughs> you know, everyone's like, what? You know, I mean, I, it's, it's really phenomenal. I, I don't think and I've ever heard of phenomenal. that. What, what is an e-box? So there's this company, Zyto, and they have made, uh, like a, a cradle and you put your hand on the cradle as, you know, your, um, Actually, you just kind of put your hand on the cradle as it goes through like this program, and then like these, um, you know, this this comes up like on kind of like your affirmations or where you're at in um, you know different aspects of of your you know life. Like, are you stressed about money or financial, or do you love what you do, and different things of like that. And and then of course there's also the Zyto program that can tell you if you have um, viruses or I don't know, whatever, organ, organ damage or teeth, you know, whatever. And, and, but it's different. It's, it's, it's frequency. So, you know, like for instance, someone, you know, like HIV could come up on somebody, but that doesn't mean that if I went and tested them for HIV, that they would have it. It, it merely can mean that maybe they have a part of that protein sequence or, or they've been around someone that had it or, I mean, it's, it's a little different or sometimes like if hepatitis comes up, it might mean that they're angry. Hmm. So there's, there's ways to kind of look at it. It's, you know, that's why you probably have to be certified to do it. But, um, but when we use the Evox program in more of a mental, you know, emotional way, um, it, it really is um, it, very fascinating. And, and then with that, they can, you know, you do a program to help like clear those areas. So, you know, we're, we're doing that. And I think that's the biggest work we can do um, in a six-week, really, in a six-week time frame, you know, to help them. Uh, otherwise, um, yeah, this is probably the biggest aspect, I think, that, you know, going back to that question, yes, actually, I would say this is one of the biggest things that we can do for, for someone is the mental-emotional. Mm. So. Gotcha. So is there, uh, are there new treatments that are maybe being studied right now or, you know, new natural therapies that uh, you guys are looking into that uh, may be on the horizon? Gosh, there's always stuff. Um, is there anything particularly that you're excited about? Um, yeah, you know, we're, I'm always doing everything. Um, you know, we have, I mean, just, you know, you go to a conference and you, you find out about all these different things that are available. And it's, it's mind boggling. You know, there's, uh, there's just so many different things out there and yeah, one could classify them as thinking, okay, um, they're not, that can't work. I mean, I've done that so many times, like, Oh yeah, that I read the ingredients and go, Nope, can't work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And I've, I've learned not to do that because I've seen it like, you know, firsthand where a patient might try something and I'm like, Oh, Oh, now this is interesting, you know? So, mm. um, yeah, we do, we do have, you know, we're always trying new things and, um, very, you know, it gets exciting. So sometimes when I feel like, Oh, what else can I do? I mean, something always comes up, you know, that can be done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so we probably got, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes left. Um, I know one of the questions that people are probably going to have is about cost and what people can expect from these treatments. So, I mean, can you give any ballpark numbers? Um, yeah, our cost is for six weeks. Um, it's actually like 10000 a week. But if, you know, a patient pays up front, then um, we would discount it. But 
by 20,000, so we, we do about 40,000. Um, and as I said, one of the, the benefits to this program is that we are, everything, you know, is included, really. If you, if you need, you know, this, you know, pain medicine or, I mean, we might use insurance for that, you know, and things like that. But if we have it here, we, we give it, mm -hmm. you know, supplements. You need it. Um, we give, you know, the first you know, month of supplements. But basically, we're, we're, we're available to them, you know, forever. As long as that patient's alive, well, you know, they have our phone numbers. They can pick us up, you know, pick up the phone and call us. And um, we'll be like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, get, a, you know, get some imaging, you know, scheduled or a lab or, um, you know, whatever we need to do. So that's one of the things, like, if a patient goes to Mexico, you know, because I would say that, you know, Mexico can do maybe some things that we can't do, for instance, like dendritic cell therapy, you know, vaccines, which um, I don't care that we can't do those. So, um, but if, you know, they, they want to go there and do it, um, one of the things that when they return back to the U.S., and, you know, those doctors there can't get them imaging, can't, you know, run labs on them, they would have to return to Mexico. And so that's a big deal is that the fact that we're going to be following them forever. Yeah. So it sounds like it's kind of like an all-inclusive uh, stay at a resort, meaning it's kind of a big upfront cost, but you get free drinks and however much food you want. Right. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, and it is, but this is, you know, someone's life. So, you know, we don't, if, if you pay, you know, you take a person that, you know, comes in sometimes and they're like, oh, I read about um, artisanate. I want to do that. And you're like, um, okay, but by itself, you know, that's just, one thing, you know, like, yeah, you know, I don't know how, how great that's So will be. you do a single therapy if somebody wants it? Like, Hey, I just want to do the ozone. Like, would you do that? Or, or is it kind of like, no, you really have to get the whole package? No, I would do it, but I mean, not, but I will, you know, tell them what I, what I think. I mean, not that I'm trying to like get them to do the, the thing. I just want them to, you know, understand that sometimes it's, we don't know, you know, like we do throw everything, but the kitchen sink at it. So what, what was it worked? I mean, sometimes intuitively I know what works, you know, what's working on this person or what's working on that. But yeah, you know, uh, ozone's different, you know, that that's kind of a different field. But, mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, we're just using, I don't know, we're, we can find a lot of different uh, things that are going to work and they're going to work synergistically or additively. So that's how we're going to, um, you know, look at the patient. So sometimes just doing one, you know, I'm like, okay, that's great, but you know, I think yeah. you can do much more. So I, it, it's tough, you know, I don't, I really, you know, um, I don't want a patient to unwisely spend their, you know, hard-earned money. I, I, you know, I feel for that. So sure. um, I, I really want them to get the, the most out of it. And, um, you know, and oftentimes, um, you know, people always say like, well, you know, what can I do? You know, how can I make it cheaper? And well, I mean, I think, you know, honestly, if, if, you can do surgery. That's one of the biggest things that you that may be a good thing to do. And at least I say that at this time in my career because they don't, you know, the only thing that they can call a cure basically is a surgical cure. You know, so um, if a patient can have that uh, done, that does not mean that the cancer hasn't spread, but 
at least they think it hasn't at this time. And that's kind of the, the, you know, the hope that, you know, they'll only do surgery if they know if they like imaging shows it hasn't spread, but imaging can only show you so much. So it may have spread. Um, you just don't know. And that's why we get recurrence. Right. So, um, you know, we want to do uh, whatever we, um, you know, we can in, in combination with that. So if they can have surgery, they, they may not have to stay six weeks. They may, you know, do a four-week program. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I would love to hear, and I'm sure the audience would love it too, uh, if you could share a story of a person or maybe multiple people who recovered from cancer and what their process was. I mean, obviously leave out any personal details, but just kind of like a good detail of like, this is what they came in for. This is how we approached it. And this is their success. Um, yeah, oftentimes like patients come in and, you know, like, let's say they have a, uh, breast mass, they've already had it biopsied, or maybe they haven't had a biopsy and, and, you know, we have to look at it and we can, you know, palpate it and, you know, kind of have an idea. This doesn't look good. <clears throat> so, um, or it looks, it's suspicious for malignancy. Uh, you know, we might just have that removed. Um, some, you know, oftentimes if they're, a past a certain size, or we find out histologically they're a certain type, like maybe HER2 positive, then we know they're a little more aggressive. So um, I did have a patient who, you know, came in with a triple positive a cancer and, um, you know, in discussion, you know, she chose to have surgery. So we did that and, um, which was great, you know, and seemingly, oh, hey, it's out and it's gone. But, you know, like, as I was saying, if it's a certain size, you know, there's the, that likelihood or, you know, propensity that it is, it has spread. And even though they may get what we call, you know, clear margins, that doesn't matter. And there's, you know, there was a group of Israelis that actually, uh, that showed kind of like, you know, just because you have, you know, what we consider clear margins, they kind of like brought, like the uh, camera up a little higher and they went, oh, but look, there's cancer still everywhere, you know, cancer cells. And uh, so that said, you know, I, I, you know, did a lot of IV therapy and, you know, different uh, treatments. And then um, also used a product on her that was a topical and that would actually, you know, penetrate into the skin and uh, just by the nature of it would kill uh, abnormal cells. So it would do that. And we, you know, at that point, we saw that she had some uh, eruptions on, um, you know, in both armpits. So that, you know, tells me that um, it it would have come back. And um, we were able to do that treatment. And, you know, hey, that wasn't fun, you know, for her. But but now, you know, she's fine. So, and that was, you know, a couple of years ago. So she's still doing great. No recurrence, nothing, you know, so... Um, and that's good. And we, you know, and that's the thing is we continue to monitor. I, I don't want, um, you know, I don't want it coming back, you know, so um, I'm going to, you know, do labs and imaging or something every so often, okay. you know, and, and just check her out. Yeah. Okay. So basically for her, it was, it was a topical treatment. Did you guys do other things on her like ozone or any of those other things you mentioned? All of that. Yeah. I mean, we did, you know, she had all those types of treatments, um, ozone and IV therapy and, you know, supplements, you know, all that. So she, um, but she's doing fantastic, but she was just someone who was like, all right, I, I'm going to do what you say. And, um, 
And I was like, okay, you know, but tell me how you're, you know, you're feeling, you know, as we go along, you know, so we had a very good communication and, and then it worked well. And I'm very excited about that. It's, it's not a route I go all the time with individuals, um, you know, to use that because it's not fun, but um, definitely it, it works if you can uh, continue it. So she did it. All right. So as we wrap up here, I usually like to ask my guests this question. Uh, it's just kind of off the cuff, you know, whatever comes to your mind first. But of all the health advice that you hear in the media, online, uh, you know, maybe in the news sources, what advice do you think, like, man, this is just the worst health advice? Oh, it's probably a lot of them. But if I'm going to relate it to cancer, I'm going to say that when they tell an individual, uh, yeah, you're you're clear of cancer, you're, you're clear. And that person has this uh, false sense of, you know, security that they don't have cancer there um, anymore because imaging's not picking it up. So imaging's clear. And I think that that's great, but it is a false sense of security because uh, those circulating cancer cells, you know, are what go around and um, plant into, you know, other organs and cause metastasis. So, yeah. There's things that need to be done, you know, even if you were to do a uh, conventional, you know, chemotherapy or radiation, uh, you need those, those two things do not kill the circulating tumor cells, the circulating stem cells or circulating cancer cells. They, they don't kill them. So you, you have to do something else. And um, right now we don't have those medications for that. So I'm sure that the, you know, pharmacies are, pharmaceutical companies are trying to make come up with something but at this point no we don't so it is very important that um, patients continue to you know try to really uh, detoxify their body that's one of the big things is we're so much more toxic than we were a decade ago yeah well are there any other topics that you wanted to hit on before we uh, call this a call this a game um, let's see, probably zombies really into them. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of zombies out there these days. NPCs, they're called. Yeah, yeah. they just follow orders. Oh, I, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I always laugh. I'm always thinking, I wonder if this would work on this treatment would work on a zombie. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, um, yeah. yeah. So, how can people find you online? How can they learn more about uh, your facilities and all that stuff? Um, brio-medical.com. We're there, um, all about us. And, uh, they, uh, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona and we're, we're open five days a week. And, you know, I think pe people love it. They have a lot of fun here. <laughs> all so. right. Are you, uh, are you writing any books or, or I don't know, doing anything online yourself? Um, not currently. I used to think that, uh, the people who wrote the books were probably not the ones that were uh, the best practitioners, but you know, <laughs> uh, now <laughs> so I guess that's kept me from it, but um, yeah, I'll, you know, maybe one day I will, I don't know. You know, I just, I'm more interested right in, in, in treating patients. So, and helping Great. them. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Lucas. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Dr. Colleen from Brio Medical. I enjoyed talking to her. Um, I was surprised at how positive she was about surgery and mainstream cancer therapies like chemotherapy. 
It does sound like they treat a lot of people who do both conventional and alternative treatments simultaneously. Um, So that was pretty interesting. Uh, She was very careful about what she said natural therapies were capable of as well. Uh, But I do think we still got some good nuggets of information that I want to summarize real quick. So to me, it sounds like there is a base level of therapy that everybody gets who goes to Brio. So everybody gets ozone Everybody gets IVs like vitamin C, sauna therapy, and I'm sure there's probably many others. And then on top of that, there is going to be some type of specialized treatment like she was describing with the topical for the woman with breast cancer. Uh, It sounds like that was more of a unique thing. So that sounds like their basic plan. Now, like she said, this is going to run you $40,000 for six weeks of treatment. And man, when I first heard that number, I was kind of like, Oh, that is a chunk of change right there, and I am in the wrong business. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, uh, the more reasonable it does seem. What you're paying for is something like I mentioned in the interview, uh, which is like an all-inclusive hotel deal. So if you've ever stayed at an all-inclusive hotel, you pay more up front, but you don't have to worry about the cost of anything while you're there. So you can order as much food and drinks as you like. And so it gives you this degree of freedom that really increases the enjoyment of your stay at the hotel. But the way they structure it is you will never end up eating or drinking more than what it costs you up front. You know, they're, they're always going to make a little bit of money on that deal, uh, unless you're, you know, just completely gluttonous. So to bring it back to the cancer treatment, you could technically go and get all of these different treatments that she described piecemeal, and you could purchase each one separately for less. And for someone like me, who is very familiar with most of these treatments, that may be worth it to save that money. But if you want to have someone experienced guide you and you know you don't want to think about, okay, I'm doing this over here, I'm doing that over there, you know, Brio seems like a good option for that. And you aren't really going to save as much money as you think buying it piecemeal either. Uh, So for example, I was thinking about numbers in my head and good ozone therapy, that can run you 500 bucks a pop. Like if you get the multiple uh, runs where they pull the blood out of you and pump it back in and ozonate it and and they do that multiple times, uh, that could be 500 bucks. So I mean, if you're doing that three to five times per week, you're looking at maybe 12000 bucks for six weeks of treatment. Uh, and that's a fourth of the cost right there. And that's not counting any of the other treatments. So, you know, the more I thought about it, the more reasonable it does seem. I mean, it's still a lot of money, obviously, but they aren't ripping you off. You know, they're providing a service that I think many people are going to find some value in. Uh, I thought it was interesting that she said ozone therapy and mistletoe were heavy hitters for a lot of people. I've also heard that ozone can be particularly effective for cancer. So it's cool that she reinforced that. I've never heard of mistletoe though. And actually my roommate shared something interesting with me when I told him this. He said that uh, Herb Farm, which is a big herbal company, used to have a mistletoe and they took it off the market for some mysterious reason a couple years ago. So I thought that was interesting, Uh, but not really sure how that would be used. Uh, You'd have to do your own research on the mistletoe there. I also noticed that she was really careful through the whole interview not to talk negatively about any of the treatment options out there. Uh, and I, this is something I really wanted her to do. <laughs> like, I, I love it when I can cross some potential herb or, you know, whatever off my list. And I wanted her to be like, oh, yeah, you know, these things don't work. Don't waste your time. So I could be like, all right, cool. Going forward, I can, I can not even think about those treatments. 
But what I came to understand is she's trying to avoid the nocebo effect. And I, I really didn't even think about this angle. Uh, but the nocebo's effect, nocebo effect is when you actually take someone's hope away about a treatment and it makes it less likely that that, that treatment will work. So cancer is a disease where your attitude matters a lot to your outcome. And if someone is doing a therapy and they think, man, this really works, um, and she says, this treatment is crap, that could end up killing the person who really believed in it and they had some hope around it. And just like she said, there were treatments that she didn't think worked. Uh, I think she mentioned flaxseed and cottage cheese or something, some diet like that, which I, I think I've heard of. But anyway, she mentioned that and then somebody would use it and believe in it and they would recover. Now, part of my mind kind of rebels at this whole notion because I want to say, you know, what works, works. What doesn't work, doesn't work. Be objective, be a scientist. But I can see her point about the nocebo effect and not wanting to take people's hope away. I think that does make it hard to find out what really works and what doesn't. But really, who am I to say, oh, you need to sacrifice to find out whether this therapy works or not? Because that's that's what I do all the time. I mean, I try new things. I find out if they work. Uh, but my life isn't on the line. You know, at worst, I feel kind of crummy for a few days. If I had cancer, well, the stakes for experimenting and finding that truth would uh, would definitely be higher. So uh, that was definitely a learning moment for me during this interview. And the last thing I want to mention is that when I told people about this interview, one thing everybody asked me was what the success rate was for Brio, at which point I realized that I had not asked Dr. Colleen that question. Sometimes questions skip my mind, I guess. So I emailed her and I asked her and she replied. So I'm going to paraphrase what she said. It's very hard to get proper statistics because she treats people ranging from very ill, so maybe stage three or four cancer, to not very ill, maybe stage one cancer. So proper statistics are tough to get. They're often also heavily manipulated, the ones that you do see. So you don't really see their methodology in a way that... Uh, gives you the truth of those statistics. Now, often the people who are at her clinic are also doing conventional therapy at the same time. So teasing out those accurate statistics in a clinic like her in, in a clinic like hers, it's uh, it's impossible. With that said, she reiterates that she has seen the body heal even in the illest of people. So kind of a disappointing answer. Uh, it would be nice if she said, you know, we have a 65% success rate with stage three cancer and a 85% with stage two, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a reason that these are called alternative therapies. Uh, the data just isn't there. So for example, if you look up ozone therapy for cancer, you're going to find a bunch of data suggesting it may be a great add-on therapy in cancer, you know, and they're going to have the data from animals and in vitro, but there's not going to be much in the way of large double blind studies. So bottom line with this whole question, we just, uh, we just don't know. Other than that, uh, I do want to know what your thoughts were on the interview. So leave a comment on YouTube or Twitter, or you can shoot me an email at quackspodcast at gmail.com. I will uh, give you a response. If you want to chat with Dr. Colleen or find out more about treatment, Give Brio a call. I'm sure they'd be happy to walk you through their process in more depth. Uh, I do have their website in the show notes where you can contact them. So I think that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Be well.